Well, good morning. For those that may not know, my name is Brian Robertson, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I'm very glad that you are here with us this Easter Sunday on this special Sunday of the year. And uh, many of you, I know, are guests here with us this morning. Uh, You came with family, or you came just simply because Easter is a day when you just simply feel like you need to be in church for, and for whatever reason that you are here this morning, I want you to know that I am very glad that you decided to spend this hour or so time with us, that you are here to understand or to revel in and to celebrate the message of the resurrection. And I believe that there's no better place for you to be on this Sunday than to be gathered with God's people to hear about, once again, the message of of the resurrection. The message of the resurrection has a far-reaching impact across the entire world, no, across the entire cosmos, both for us individually, for us as family units, and as for us as a congregation, as for us as a nation, for us the, for the entire world. The message of the resurrection has far-reaching impact for the entire world. And so I'm very glad, for whatever reason you decided to come this morning, I believe that God has a purpose for you being here. I believe that God has a message for you to hear this morning. I believe that you will be blessed. I believe that some of us will be challenged and that we will be encouraged in pursuing our life with God together. In these next moments, I believe that God has an ordained time and place and message for each one of us to hear this morning. So I am very glad for whatever reason that brought you this morning that you are here and that you might encounter the risen Christ in ways that maybe you've never encountered Him before. Maybe to hear the message and the power of the resurrection in ways that you may have not heard before or ways in which are fresh to your ears. So I pray that today would be a blessing and encouragement and even a challenge to us. I'm going to read one of the gospel accounts of the resurrection. This gospel, this account comes from the book of Mark. So if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open up the Bible to Mark chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible or an app on your phone or something, you can follow along on the screens with me as I read Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Mark says this, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white, in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Let's pray together and Ask that God would speak to us in a way this morning. Jesus, it's again because of you that we are gathered. And I pray that as we consider the truth of your resurrection and what that means for us, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, hearts that are soft, and wills that are able to respond to you. 
I pray that whatever defenses we may have, whatever distances that we may have brought in with us this morning, I pray that you would allow us to lower those a little bit to hear from you. To hear again the message and the power of your resurrection. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, as I said earlier, Easter is the most important day in the entire history. And all of the calendar and everything that has gone on Easter is the most important day of the year. And it might be tempting for us to spend a time diving into the evidence that points to the real uh, resurrection of Jesus, that the truth of the resurrection. Because if it is such a, an important day in our history, such an important day in the world's cosmic history, then it would be tempting for us to kind of dive into all the different evidences and the various things that point us to the truth of the resurrection, that it actually happened. It would be tempting for us to dive into the overwhelming support from extra-biblical texts and things that are not just written in this Christian world, but in the world around that points to the reality of the resurrection. It would be tempting for us to, to look at the fact that it was women in the first century in the ancient world were looked at much, not much more than property, but these women were the first to witness the resurrection, and that brings validity to the message of the resurrection. It would be tempting for us to spend time looking at the way and the speed with which the message of the resurrection got out and spread out, that it wasn't hundreds of years later some myth that had kind of rose, rose up from the, around the resurrection, but it was truth and it was said very, very quickly. And it would be really tempting for us to spend some time in all the very other persuasive arguments that point to the validity of the resurrection and the bodily historical resurrection of Jesus the Christ on that first Easter Sunday. It would be really tempting for us to spend all of our time diving into each and every one of those. And those would be really fun to do. And I would love to do it. And it's probably a, a good thing for us to do, a necessary conversation. But for this morning... For this morning, I want to kind of zero in on a few other things. This morning, I want to suggest how the resurrection provides unprecedented and unparalleled hope for healing and restoration in our world. That the message of the resurrection provides unprecedented hope, unparalleled healing for our life and for the world. This is the message that Jesus came to give us. Listen to Jesus' words in John chapter 16. I have told you these things so that, you, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Friends, the Christian faith and the entire message of the Easter resurrection story proclaims that God is bringing healing and hope and restoration to that which was broken. That which was marred, that which was torn apart, God is restoring, healing, mending, making whole to the brokenness in our world, to the brokenness in the cosmos, and to the brokenness in our individual personal lives. And it is through the resurrection and the power of the resurrection that God is doing all these things. See, the sin in our world and the sin in our lives and the sin that plagues us is not the end of the story. It's not the end of, of, of what has been written. The resurrection boldly declares that Jesus has overcome. That Jesus has overcome. And for those that would humble themselves to call Him Lord, to call on His name, He gives the right to be known as children of God. Not children born of natural descent, but born from above. For those that would humble themselves and call Him Lord and to call on His name, He gives the eternal kingdom 
which has been prepared for them since the foundation of the world. He gives this life of healing where brokenness doesn't run the day any longer, where hope of restoration is there all because of the powerful resurrection. All because of the truth that Jesus did not stay in the grave, but that He rose. If Christ is not raised from the dead, if Christ is still rotting away in some, in some Judean tomb, then our brokenness is still there. Our sin is still there. We are still slaves to the cycle of sin and despair and destruction in our lives. But the glorious news of Easter is He is risen. He is risen indeed. Often when we gather on these weekends in this place, I'll say something along the lines that we gather in the name of Jesus to be reminded of who God is. To be reminded of who we are. And be reminded of what God may be calling us into. Reminded of who God is, who we are, and what God may be calling us into. So this morning, I want to look at the powerful truth of the resurrection through these three movements. What does the resurrection teach us about who God is? What does the resurrection teach us about who we are? And what does the resurrection call us into? What does it call us into? The first is, what does the resurrection tell us about who God is? And obviously there's a lot that we can talk about here. There's a whole lot that we can spend our time going after. But for this, for our kind of time this morning, let me say one simple yet very profound thing. The resurrection tells us that God is deeply committed to His creation. God is deeply committed to His creation. Scripture describes that all of creation is God's work, that He's spoken into existence, that He holds it and sustains it together, and that we, human beings, are the capstone of His creation, the, the perfect or the, uh, the unique capstone, the unique creation of God that we've been made in His image. And as being made in His image, we've fallen short of the glory that God desires of us. We've been made in God's image, and yet we have marred it. We've been infected by sin and rebellion and turning our own way. And the penalty for our sin, the penalty for our rebellion is brokenness. Broken relationship between us and God, between us and other people, and between us and even ourselves, that there's brokenness that needs healing. And rather than standing back at a distance, and rather than just kind of shrugging his shoulders and kind of going, well, I tried, and seeing all the brokenness and the hurt and the pain and the sin that is staining our world and infecting our world, Jesus takes all that on himself on the cross and willingly goes to the cross on our behalf. And in the resurrection, he victoriously conquers everything. And in the resurrection, he overcomes this world. And all its pain and all its sin and all of its brokenness Jesus has overcome. The resurrection is God's plan to right the wrong, to restore the broken, to demonstrate His characteristic of sacrificial love, to desperately, deeply be committed to His creation, to not stand at a distance and just kind of shrug His shoulders and say, well, we tried. I guess that's it. And let it kind of go as it may. But Jesus takes upon Himself, and in the resurrection, He demonstrates His deep commitment and His sacrificial love. In one of the most well-known Bible verses in the entire Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have eternal life. 
Friends, what the resurrection tells us is that God is not dispassionate. He's not a distant deity. He's not unmoved by the problems and the pain and the destruction that we see in our world and we experience in our life, but He is deeply committed to. And He perfectly loves us, which leads Him to willingly endure the weight and the pain and the penalty of our sin and to victoriously conquer it all through the resurrection. To overcome the world. The resurrection teaches us about the love of God who is deeply committed to you. Deeply committed to me. The power of God to restore that which is broken. That which is marred by sin. I pray that this image of God, that this truth of what the resurrection teaches us about Jesus, about God, that He is our conquering King, that He is passionately committed to His beloved creation, that He doesn't stand at a distance unable to do anything, but that He takes it on Himself. And He overcomes in the resurrection. I pray that that truth would just marinate in your soul. That it would just marinate in your heart. That it would get in a little bit. And it would change and shape how you see this world, how you see God, and how you even see yourself. The resurrection describes and boldly proclaims that God is deeply committed, not standing at a distance. But what does the resurrection teach us about who we are? What does the resurrection teach us about who we are? And again, there may be lots of things to say about this, but let me zero in on just one profound truth. That the resurrection declares that there's a possibility for reconciliation. That there's a possibility for reconciliation. There's a curious part in Mark's account of the resurrection that I, read, I want to draw your attention to. I, I read it just a little bit ago, but let me repeat verses 6 and 7 for you. Listen in to what Mark's account is. The angel is speaking to the women at the tomb, and he says, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. And then listen to what the angel says. Go tell his disciples... And Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. These women, these first witnesses to the resurrection, they were told to go tell the disciples. And then that short phrase, and Peter. And Peter. Peter was one of the disciples. Peter was a disciple. Why did the angel find that it was significant to tell the women to go tell the disciples and Peter? He was a disciple. Wasn't that just kind of assumed? That you would tell the disciples and Peter would be one of those disciples? Why be specific about saying tell the disciples and Peter? Well, for those of you that are familiar with the story, you know that Peter was a guy who knew what it was to fail. Peter was a guy who blew it. Peter was a guy who put his foot in his mouth more often than not. Peter was a guy who claimed to never leave Jesus, and I'll never leave you, Jesus, and only hours later to deny him, completely deny even knowing him, and turn his back on him. Peter was a guy who failed to live up to his own expectations, his own claims. Peter was a guy who talked a good talk, but he also knew the shame and the guilt that comes along with failing and with messing up. It'd be way easy for Peter 
to hear the message of this resurrection of Jesus, to hear the message that it was true that Jesus had been risen from the dead, it would be real easy for Peter to hear that and then be, hear the tapes of his own guilt and his own shame and his own mess-ups and his own failings, his own shortcomings, and kind of shrug his shoulders and say, yeah, but maybe not for me. I mean, I denied him. So the angel's message to the women at that first Easter Sunday was to tell the disciples and make sure you tell Peter. That message, that's a hopeful one. It's not a damning one. It's not a condemning one. It's hopeful. Maybe my blowing it isn't the final word. Maybe my brokenness doesn't have to be permanent. Maybe the guilt of not doing everything I said I was going to do doesn't have to weigh me down. The truth is, each of us are like Peter at some level. Because each of us have broken trust with someone. Each of us have gone our own way and arrogance and pride have have wreaked havoc in our souls and in our hearts. Misguided identity has replaced God with some other thing that we've been pursuing and we've denied. Some of us, if we're honest, some of us struggle with the message that the resurrection is possible reconciliation with God, that that message is meant for us. And we, we think it's meant for those religious people, those that people have grown up in the church, those people that know lots of Bible verses, those people who have like this wholesome family life, that everything looks great on the outside, that are Instagram-worthy families. But not me. Not me. I mean, if you only knew the junk that kind of goes around in my heart, that rolls around in my heart, we think, well, maybe that message isn't for me. We think, if you only knew my internet search history or my ability to fly off the handle, if you only knew those things about me, then you would know know that that message of possible reconciliation with God, well, that can't be for me. I pray that you would hear the angel's message this morning. Tell the disciples and Peter and Brian and John and Sarah. Let me say it this way. Your brokenness does not have to be permanent. Jesus made a way for the possibility of your reconciliation. And that was what he was about. That is why he came, that is the message he proclaimed, and that is what he won in the victorious resurrection. Your brokenness and your pain does not have to be permanent. It doesn't have to define you eternally. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says about Jesus in Colossians chapter 1. God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Friends, the message of Easter, the message of the power of the resurrection is that you and I can be reconciled to God 
reconciled with each other, and even reconciled with ourselves. We can live at peace with God. Our shame, our guilt, our failings, our shortcomings do not have to define us. Christ has won the victory. Christ has overcome. Third thing that we want to see in this movement, if it teaches us who God is, that He is deeply committed to His creation and who we are, that there's a possibility for reconciliation, that peace with God is made possible because of the, re- the resurrection, then what does that may call us into? What does that call us into? And let me just suggest simply for simple sake this morning that the resurrection, there's a call to follow Jesus. That in the resurrection, there's a call to follow Him. Mark's account of the resurrection abruptly ends right there at verse 8. And in your Bibles, if you have one at home, you'll see that verses 9 through 20 is in italics because most, of the, most scholars would say that that aspect was added at some later time. But the earliest manuscripts end right there with the women leaving. Just kind of leaving there. And that's it. Tell the disciples, tell Peter, go to Galilee, see Jesus, go on a journey towards Jesus. He's risen. And there's a possibility of reconciliation. So go find him. Go find him. Here's the point. Mark doesn't feel the need to answer every one of your questions. He doesn't find the need to, to put this package in a nicely, neatly little wrapped up bow on it and put your name on it and answer every little last question that you may possibly have. There may be questions that you still have. There may be things that are unanswered. But the invitation from the angel and the invitation in the resurrection is to go look after Jesus. Go find Him. Go on a journey towards Jesus. And you will meet him there. And you will meet him there. If you're familiar with the story of God, you'll know that this journey to Jesus is very similar to the story and very similar to the call of the shepherds and the announcement of the birth of Jesus. The angels showed up to the shepherds and they told them about the glorious birth of the Messiah, the King, has been born. And then they say, go find him. There's a journey that's required. There's a journey that's required. And the same is true of the resurrection. You may not have all your answers neatly answered up in everything that you might possibly think. You may have tons of things still left understood and still left not understood and left kind of undone. There may be still stuff there, but the invitation of the resurrection is to find Jesus. Search for Jesus and you will find Him. And while there's much more going on in this behind the story than we ever realize, I've often said to people in various situations, trust the process. Trust the process. He is risen. So let's go on a journey and find Him. Let's find Him. You may still have questions. You may still have doubts. You may still wonder why the world is the way it is. You may still wonder what's the deal with heaven and hell and all that stuff that's going on. You may wonder when and how and if Jesus ever will return. You may still wonder all those things. And all those are great questions, but just journey to Jesus. Just go on a journey. He is risen. We've been given all the information that we really need. We just need to start trusting, walking towards him. Trust the process. Jesus has risen. So let's go on a journey and let's go towards him. 
You remember that life with God and life with Jesus is not a one-time decision that you make one day. It's not a one-time thing. You just mark a, a check the box and just kind of mark on and keep going. It's not a day and time when you just get all airtight answers to everything in the universe. It's a journey whereby we learn to live by faith, trusting and believing that the ways of Jesus lead to eternal and abundant life, where we learn to say, not my will, but your will be done, where we recognize him as Lord and King and leader of our life, and we yield our life to him. And we're on a journey to him. The resurrection, was it say, and was it calling us into? It calls us to follow with whatever amount of faith you may have. Begin to follow. So what does that say to you personally? What does it say to me personally? What are next steps for us? On this Easter Sunday, 2019, what do we do with this? What do we do? But for some of you, the journey with Jesus begins with a commitment to investigate. A commitment to investigate who Jesus is and the teachings of Jesus and what he has come to give us. The commitment to just begin to follow after him. Investigating Jesus might mean that you meet with someone that's a follower of Jesus and you begin to have coffee with them and ask them questions about what their faith has made a difference in their life. Or maybe to come on a regular basis as we gather here on Sunday mornings and we seek to understand what does it look like to apprentice our life after Jesus. But we investigate who Jesus is and the impact that he has made on people's lives. So maybe this morning the step for you is the commitment to investigate. The commitment to investigate. Or maybe you've been coming for a while, you've been investigating Jesus for some time, but you're beginning to see that it maybe is the time to kind of take the step of being known to be connected have other people walk around you. You've been investigating Jesus and you've been encountering with the power of the resurrection of Jesus and some of us this morning. Some of us, today's a day when we need to yield our life to Jesus as King. Some of us, today's a day where we kind of draw a line in the sand and we simply say, today I want to recognize Jesus and the power of His resurrection that He is King, that He's Lord and He's my Savior. He's come to set me free. And this possibility of reconciliation and of forgiveness and of peace with God is possible. And you've been investigating him for a while. You've been kind of seeing him from the outside for a little while. Maybe today is a day when you draw a line in the sand and you say, I'm going to begin to follow a little bit more. And today, I'm yielding my life. I'm trusting him as my Savior. As my Savior. You're recognizing that you have your own mess-ups. Your own shortcomings. Your own failings. And you are powerless to do anything about them and you need a savior and you're coming to realize and come to face to face with this good news that peace with god is made available because there is a savior and his name is jesus the christ who is risen and today you want to receive that peace and today you want to say i need and i receive that peace Today you want to hear the message from the angel that says Jesus is risen, so go tell the disciples and that offer of forgiveness and peace with God you want to receive and you want to know that that offer is for you. It's for you. Today is the day you yield your life to Jesus. But there might be others of you. And you've been going through this church thing for some time. 
Maybe at one time you even received Jesus as your King, as your Savior, as your Lord. You made a decision at one time. But can I remind you that the call to follow Jesus is not a one-time decision, but it is a journey to learn to trust the ways of Christ. It's not a one-time decision to check a, a box, but it is a journey to follow Christ. And some of you, the message of the resurrection, what that means for you this year, is that you are to take intentional steps to grow in your apprenticeship to Jesus. Take intentional steps and seek to grow. And if you're honest with even just your own heart this morning, your life with Christ has kind of plateaued over the years. Maybe at one time you were kind of on fire and you were excited about the things of God, but life has just kind of taken over and your life with God has kind of plateaued. But this morning you're wanting a more rich, deeper experience A journey with Jesus that is more meaningful and powerful. So you're taking initial, uh, being intentional in your desire to grow in your apprenticeship. Friends, we would love to journey with you. Wherever you are in the life with God, wherever you are in in the spiritual journey, we would love to journey with you, just to connect you with a spiritual companion who can partner with you to grow in this eternal life that God has made available in the powerful resurrection of Jesus. That life in His kingdom, His eternal kingdom is available. That reconciliation is possible. That peace with God is possible. And we would love to walk with you. To partner with you in your growth in Christ. Where you will grow in grace. In the knowledge of Jesus. And your life will take on an eternal meaning and power. So allow me to conclude with a question for you. How does the message of the resurrection, how does what it teaches us about who God is, about who we are, and what He's calling us into, how does that message, and how is the Lord nudging you to respond to that message? How is the Spirit of God nudging you to respond to the message of the resurrection today? today in these next moments as we conclude the service and as we respond with song i'm just going to ask you to take whatever that god is nudging you to respond and to turn that into a prayer and just spend a few moments of just simply praying before god whatever god is nudging you to move towards maybe it's a commitment to investigate maybe today's a day where you yield your life to jesus Or maybe it's a day when you intentionally take steps to grow. Where is God nudging you? What is the power of the resurrection leading you to? And then turn that into a prayer where you simply tell God your desires. And may we encounter the grace of God, the power of God in the resurrection. And may you find as you purpose your life and as you apprentice your life and pursue a life with God may you find the abundant eternal life that your soul has longed for has longed for let's pray God there are those in our midst this morning who are hearing about you and are stirred to respond. 
to either investigate, to yield, or to seek to grow. And I pray that you would give us the courage to walk in obedience to where you are leading us, that we may find life, life eternal, that we may find grace and forgiveness, that we may find you and the power of your resurrection. It's in your name we pray. Amen.